0: You're listening to a North Valley Church podcast. Thanks so much for joining. For more information and resources, you can visit us online at northvalley.org. Pastor Ryan. All All right. Hey, guys, give them another big round of applause. That's great. Well, good morning. Let's try that again. Good morning. Good being with you guys. We're jumping into a brand new teaching series. I'm really excited about that, but I want to share with you a couple of announcements and just give some introductions. A special welcome again to all of you guys who have been out of the Valley and back in the Valley, uh, North Valley friends and family. And then th- those of you that are special guests, so glad that you're here. My name is Ryan. I serve as a lead pastor, founding pastor. Uh, we're excited. We're going to be celebrating our tenure. Uh, birthday of the church uh, this fall, so you're in for a good season of ministry at North Valley this if you decide this to be your church home. For those of you that are guests, you can go over to the connection corner after service and we have a special gift for you. I'd love to send you home as well uh, for any and all teachers that are present. Even if you received a gift card last week, we're going to continue to hand out gift cards to teachers, to coffee shops. We know they do a great job representing Jesus and his church in our public school system and private school system. So let's thank all the teachers. Thank you so much. Um, So here's what I want to do this morning. uh, We're jumping into a teaching series and the name of the series is called Unapologetic uh, Truth About Marriage and Truth About Parenting. And so uh, we're going to be jumping into that this uh, over the next five weeks. And so here's what that looks like. We're going to address the topic of, of marriage this morning. Um, I'm going to lay out a biblical foundation of what that looks like. Uh, I'll bring in uh, a number of different uh, elements from Old Testament to New Testament, and then you will walk away with today seven unapologetic truths about marriage. And so, uh, we seem to be in a culture where uh, there's a fight against the traditional marriage in Christian Judeo values. Um, If you recall, there was a time uh, previous, uh, when we were in a teaching series, we looked at some of the things that culture had to say about marriage, uh, and it's disturbing. I mean, you have organized groups such as the Black Lives Matter group. Uh, While they are trying to, I do believe, try to correct some injustice that has happened, uh, they've overreached their bounds and gone far into an area where they're seeking to dismantle the traditional marriage altogether. And so we walked through their belief statement. Now that belief statement has been taken offline because it was so controversial. Um, But that's not it. There is a ton of pressure and pushback for traditional marriages in the United States of America. In fact, most churches have done away with all wedding venues because of the controversy in legalities that come if you seek to be a church that officiates and sanctions traditional Christian marriages between one man and one woman. And so, at this church, that's what we do. Um, And so, it's been a challenge in our culture as we look at the topic of marriage, the biblical theological foundation. That's what we're going to cover this morning. Uh, The following weeks, I'll cover the unapologetic truths about a husband, the unapologetic truths about wives, uh, the unapologetic truths about parenting and what that looks like, and we'll advocate and push for. uh, Parents become pastors, and they serve as the spiritual leaders in the home. The church simply partners with the parent. And then we're going to look at the unapologetic truths for children and youth in today's culture. And so I'll bring up a lot of current cultural issues that we're dealing with right here in our own area uh, and on a national level as well. So… but… This morning, what we're doing is we're looking at this topic of marriage, and uh, I want to ask you a question. Uh, why did you get married? Uh, think about it for a moment. Those of you that are married, why did you get married? 90% of people would say, I got married because I was, I'm in, help me out, love. Uh, 88% of people said, well, I got married because I needed companionship. I wanted somebody in my life to be a friend. Uh, 79% said, I want children, therefore I think I should probably get married. Uh, According to research, uh, 66% said, I need money, so therefore I'm getting married and figured that would be a better way to do it. Uh, 62% said religious beliefs, they had a conviction that they should get married. 50% said family pressures, that's why they got married. And so there's a lot of reasons. Um, I remember when I met Leslie, I saw her from afar and I thought, boy, this is a beautiful lady. I hope she's a, as beautiful on the inside as she is on the outside. And I quickly got to know her and fell in love with her very, very quickly. Uh, I am so grateful for her. She is a, my best friend in my whole life. Uh, we're partners in ministry together. She will join me on stage in the coming weeks and uh, speak about kind of. The relationship between husband and wife, so don't miss it. Um, It's not um, her everyday fun thing to do, but she's going to do it because she wants to serve you guys. Um, So over the next five weeks, I want to encourage you, if you get a a, a question that comes up and I'm not able to address it, jot it down. In the following weeks, I'm going to launch kind of a live um, uh, Facebook uh, kind of educational content following up on some of this stuff. And then I'll be able to take in prayer requests and pray for you guys. We'll launch that Thursday at noon in the coming weeks. So if you've got questions about this series as it comes up, just jot them down. And if I can be of help to you, I'll do my best to do that. So I want to start with this uh, joke that I heard, and many of you might have been familiar with it, but I thought it was pretty funny. It kind of describes a little bit of the differences between uh, men and women, husbands and wives. Let me read it to you. There was a man who was walking along a California beach, and he stumbled across uh, an old lamp. He picked it up, he rubbed it, and out popped a genie. The genie said, okay, you release me from the lamp, blah, 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 blah. This is the fourth time this month, getting a little sick and tired of these wishes, so you can forget about three, you only get one wish. The man sat down and thought about it for a little while, and he said, well... I've always really wanted to go to Hawaii, but I'm really scared. I'm scared to fly and I get very seasick. I can't get in a boat. Could you build me a bridge to Hawaii? That would be great. I will drive over there and visit. I'd love to do that. And the genie laughed immediately out loud and said, that is impossible. Uh, It's not happening. Think of the logistics. How could uh, how, how would the supports ever reach the bottom of the Pacific? Think of how much concrete, think how much steel. No, 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 no. Think of another wish that's not going to happen. Finally, the man said, okay, um, I've been married and divorced four times. My wives have always said I don't care and that I'm very insensitive. So I wish I could understand women, how they feel, on the inside and how they're thinking and what they're thinking about and why I get the silent treatment. I want to know why they're crying. I want to know that they, what they really want. And when they say nothing, I want to know how to truly make them happy. The genie replied and said, did you want that bridge to be two lanes or four lanes? <laughs> I've always thought that's a funny joke. I've returned to it several times. Uh, it does highlight a little bit of the challenges. I've been married. Now it'll, go, it'll be 20 years this December. I love my wife. She's my best friend. But it feels like I'm learning things after even 20 years that I should have known already. And uh, so there's a lot of learning to do in marriage. Um, let me pray for us, and we're going to jump into God's Word. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the truthfulness of Scripture, uh, the plainness of it, the simplicity of it, the joy in it. Father, I pray that as I teach uh, these truths, that they would echo in their hearts for eternity. Um, Thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift of marriage. Uh, We pray that you would uh, use this to encourage and edify, build up current marriages. Uh, Father, for those that are single, that are seeking marriage, it would become the pathway and the vision for a biblical theological foundation. And Father, for all those that... um, Are choosing or maybe not be called to be married, might they see this as a great way to get a great biblical, theological worldview of marriage and affirm that in our society? In Christ's name, everybody said, Amen. So, Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 25, I'm going to read that passage. And then, what I want you to do is, if you've got a Bible, you can open it there. I'm using the English Standard Version. I want you to um, keep that open because I'll refer back to particular passages. Um, But I'm going to read to you uh, this foundational text uh, for marriage. This is referred to by the Apostle Paul. It's referred to uh, by Jesus in the New Testament. So this is foundational, biblical, theological foundation for marriage. Um, There are many passages on marriage, but I'm choosing this one because I think it's probably one of the anchor uh, sections for marriage. Uh, Verse 18, um, God has already created Adam, and now uh, we're giving commentary on what God said about the need to create Eve. Verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to man to see what he would call them. It's very interesting that God uses Adam to name things, and we're going to look at that later, uh, how there's a creation mandate and, uh, to manage and steward and oversee. Uh, but even the name giving that you do with a child is part of a God-given right and uh, prescription for you. Um, Here, Adam, there is no other uh, living uh, human being, and so uh, there's uh, animals, and here it says, and whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Verse 20, the man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heaven and to every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. Uh, Verse 21, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place uh, with flesh, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from man and made into woman uh, and brought her to the man, then man said, this is at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Um, I thought our name of our series is The Unapologetic Truth About Marriage But here I see the passage, I think maybe, what if we called it uh, naked and unashamed truth about marriage, but that probably would be a little embarrassing. But here is the reality about this is that there is something really incredibly special. This is before sin has entered the world. This is before there is a distortion. This is before um, sin has entered into the heart of man and woman. And so what we see now, the marriages that we have now, um, there's not perfect peace and harmony. There's frustration, there's fights, there's tension. There's groups such as Black Lives Matter. There's groups such as the Me Too movement. And why is that? Because of sin. That's why. Because there are a lot of problems. People are not just in all manners and situations. There is incredible injustice. There's incredible corruption. And that corruption and its foundation is is sin. And so, what we're going to do is look at um, unapologetic truths about marriage. Number one, uh, marriage will not satisfy the dip- deepest needs of one's soul. There was an old movie, Jerry Maguire, and there's a famous line in there, and they say, you complete what? Me. I don't, I don't believe that in its totality. Here's what I want to tell you right off the bat is marriage will never satisfy the deepest needs of your soul. And if you get into marriage with that mindset that they, that person will, then what you're doing is making that person be something that they cannot. So it's like uh, you've heard people, I mean, I like Kane Brown. I like some of the other uh, country music singers. But I mean, like they've got songs that talk about basically worshiping the other individual. And uh, it's, it's like crazy how infatuated we can become, and I think there's an incredible caution that needs to be there in marriage, is to kind of create a distinction and understand right off the bat that your spouse or future spouse will never satisfy the deepest needs of your life, of your soul. They they just can't. So, this is perfectly illustrated. Remember in John chapter 4, when Jesus meets a woman at the well, that she had gone through a series of husbands, Uh, She had gone through five different husbands. What was her problem? Her problem was, is that she was trying to make men her Lord to satisfy the deepest needs of her life. And Jesus says, this isn't going to work. The only thing that will satisfy you is me. And then he says, I'm this living water that you're seeking for satisfaction in your life. And so you need to know right off the bat, if for your spouse to try to satisfy your life at a soul level that's not happening. It it will never happen. Why is that? Because Jesus Christ is the Lord of all. He is your creator. The Bible says in John 1 that He was there in the beginning. He created you, He formed you, He fashioned you, and at a soul level, you'll never feel a completeness in life unless Jesus is that numero uno, number one in your life. Again, this is uh, uh, illustrated all throughout the Scriptures. Again, and like I'm starting with the negative in some senses to caution you because I think in American culture we've made so much out of marriage that marriage becomes the higher priority than a relationship with Jesus Christ and or His church. And so I just need to caution you and say marriage will never satisfy the deepest needs of one's soul. Jesus Christ will. Amen. And that's actually good. It's actually encouraging because if you go to your spouse to make them satisfy everything, you are exhausted because you are not God. You don't have unlimited love and patience and kindness and goodness in your life. You just don't have that. Uh, But Jesus does. And I think this is also a case for singleness and celibacy. Both Jesus and the Apostle Paul taught that singleness and celibacy is actually a special gift It's not commanded, but it's something that may be voluntary or it could be that God is calling someone for the sake of undistracted ministry and service to the Lord in His church. This is backed up in Matthew chapter 19 and 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Number two, marriage is made by God and for His glory. Marriage all throughout the Bible is affirmed uh, to be… an essential aspect of the social life. It's the basic building block for every civilization. In uh, God's creation mandate, He creates male, He creates female, He calls them together. We get the usage of the word wife in the beginning text, uh, where um, man shall leave uh, his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Many marriages are listed in the Bible. As you look at the pages of Scripture, you'll see marriages are all over the place, um, they're described from Adam and Eve being the first parents. So every person on the planet comes from Adam and Eve. Our first parents are Adam and Eve. They had a marriage together. It was instituted, created by God. This is God's idea, not man's idea. Adam and Eve serve as the first married couple. Then you, uh, you, and then we see just throughout uh, the pages of Scripture, marriages like Abraham and Sarah, Isaac who marries Rebecca, Jacob to Leah, uh, Rachel to Joseph, Aseneth, uh, Joseph to I'm sorry, uh, 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 Jacob to Leah and Rachel. Joseph to Asenath, Moses to Z- Zipporah, Samson to the Philistine girl, Boaz to Ruth, David to Michal, uh, Abigail and Bathsheba had multiple. Uh, Solomon, Solomon to Pharaoh's daughter, Ahab to Jezebel, uh, as Ahas- Hazarus uh, to Esther, Hosea to Gomer, Joseph to Mary, Herod to Herodias, the couple in, the, in, in Cana when Jesus performed that wedding. And then you see uh, Jesus Christ actually portrays himself as married to the bride of Christ, and that is the church. So in the New Testament, we see consistently uh, that Jesus actually himself uh, affirmed this idea of marriage, that Jesus is all for, pro, he's pro-marriage uh, between a man and a woman. He performs his first miracle in Cana, Um, John chapter 2 captures that. He affirms the permanency of marriage later in uh, Matthew 19. He says this is basically, this is a a forever institution. It's uh, created uh, by God and for God's glory. Uh, And then all throughout the pages of Scripture, you see Jesus referring back to as a mega metaphor for the church as the bride of, help me out, Christ. And he is the bridegroom in John 14. He says that he's going away, Then he's uh, predicting his, his ascension and his return uh, for the, and when it, at the rapture. And he says, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. That was a metaphor for a bridegroom in Jewish culture who would leave the family, go prepare a place for his bride, and then come back, get his bride, and then have a place for her. Um, In Judaism, and both in the Old Testament and New Testament, uh, marriage is a big deal. It was actually a disgrace uh, to be uh, unmarried. Uh, This was largely because of the offspring was viewed as essential for the perpetuation of a covenant community. And so uh, Jewish folks put a lot of pressure on people to get married. A lot of times it was an arranged uh, marriage uh, for women not to marry made life incredibly difficult in that time. And uh, so, this is a, this is part of our history in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, very, very pro-marriage. How about in history? Think of uh, Luther, uh, Martin Luther, the, the famous church reformer. Um, he was an advocate for marriage and family. Uh, the Catholic Church in, in uh, uh, centuries past really pushed the idea of celibacy and uh, the idea of being a celibate and taking a celibate vow. Uh, Luther was one of the first to protest against this idea. Uh, He spoke about the abuses of the teaching of celibacy. He ended up marrying a runaway nun. Uh, They happily enjoyed their marriage life. They had many kids. They adopted kids. They loved. They laughed. They lived together um, as a former Catholic uh, priest and nun, And they served as an example for Christian marriage and family throughout history. This is part of our Christian heritage. And uh, with the Protestant Reformation became a new, strong, renewed vision for what marriage and family looks like. Marriage has and always will be, it's for the glory of God. When we look later in the coming weeks, we'll see that uh, God made marriage, uh, it was by Him, but it's also for His glory. Uh, Many of us think we want to get married so that we can be happy, but God uses marriage actually to help make you holy. And so, uh, I came to a place in point in time where I knew that for me to marry Leslie meant I would make a greater difference for the kingdom of God. I knew that it would be a glorious moment and an opportunity for me to, to be with her. She had some things that were going on in her life, and I got to uh, love her with the love of Jesus Christ. And it was incredible, uh, and it still is. And she'll share more in the coming weeks ahead. But marriage is for God's glory. Ephesians chapter 5 captures this for us. Additionally, 1 Corinthians 10 tells us that everything we, should do, everything we do, we should do it for the glory of God. So, no matter what the court says or laws that are made, marriage is an institution that God has created. Uh, to bend the plans uh, on marriage is to create something that's contrary to God's good and perfect will for mankind. Uh, God has the first word on marriage, and God will have the last word on marriage. Uh, so, you know, some people have asked me before, well, what do you think about same-sex couples and marriage? Um, and I can deal with this more uh, uh, perhaps appropriately with more time in the future, but I would say to me, a marriage is something that God has instituted. This is, Genesis is the foundation historical account of how everything came into being. And marriage is something God created. I would give, if somebody said to me, um, will you do a a wedding for us? Or what do you think about us doing a wedding in a same-sex couple? I would say, I can't do that based on our biblical theological beliefs. I have a religious freedom. We're not gonna do that. Um, However, they're still made in the image of God, right? Still, Still deserve dignity, value, worth, and respect, right? Everybody does, no matter what they believe or what they do. Everybody deserves dignity, value, worth, and respect. Um, I would perhaps advocate for a civil union versus marriage and give them all the same rights uh, that a married couple has. Um, Why? Because God's law is higher than man's law. Um, God established marriage. God was made, um, marriage was made by God, and it's for uh, our good and for God's glory. Number three, marriage is a covenant between the couple and God. It's a covenant commitment. It's not just a contractual agreement. Um, I've heard of people uh, emphasizing, well, it's just a piece of paper. It's not just a piece of paper. Uh, It's a covenant commitment according to the Bible. If you are a Christian, you should see it this way. Um, There are actually some states, Arizona being one of them, that affirm what's called a covenant marriage. And it's, uh, it's something that I know. I just did a wedding recently uh, for Tim and Joanna Riggs, and uh, it was a covenant marriage. And a covenant marriage uh, informs the state that they have gone through the proper biblical uh, training and coaching about what marriage is, what marriage is not, and that if they choose to exit, they have to actually go through a, a series of counseling uh, to ensure that they're following scriptural guidelines for marriage. I think it's a fantastic thing. Um, My wife and I, we did a covenant marriage. Um, You can, as a couple right now, you could transition your marriage to what is called a covenant marriage in the state of Arizona. If you want to do that and finances is a problem, we'll help write the check for you. Um, Why is that? Because marriage is the basic building block for all of society. We want better cities, let's get better marriages. We want better workplaces, let's get better marriages. We want better families, let's get better marriages. Um, it's a covenant. In the Bible, it was seen as a covenant between God and two families. And thus, it united them by extending kinship. And then the family kind of had this tribe that they would protect each other and encourage each other and help one another. Uh, Covenant versus contract. Let me talk about that just for a moment. God's called us to live in covenantal love, not a contractual agreement. Uh, Let me give you some differences between a contracted marriage versus a covenant marriage. A contracted marriage is based on laws. So when you sign your uh, marriage certificate, it's based on uh, state law. A covenant marriage is based on God's law and God's grace. It's uh, a contract calls for signatures. A covenant calls for soul level commitments. A contract is a pledge to people. A covenant is a pledge to God. A contract lasts as long as you love the other individual. A covenant lasts as long as you live. There's a big difference. And I hear people say, I fell out of, help me out, I fell out of love. I just don't love them anymore. Okay, a covenant is not based on what you feel like. A covenant is based on how long you're going to live. That's, how, that's a covenant. Contracts are based on, well, I love this person, I don't love this person. A contract is based as long as you live. Genesis 2.24, the Scripture calls man to one flesh union with his wife. The term wife uh, that, that is found in the passage is uh, the first as it appears in the Bible. God God gave that name uh, uh, wife. Adam gave the name Eve, um, but God is the one who invented husband-wife. Uh, it is uh, a covenant between God and the couple. The Bible says in Matthew 19, thir- 3 through 6, Jesus is asked by the Pharisee if it's lawful to divorce One's wife for any cause." And Jesus responds by affirming the covenant of marriage by quoting from Genesis 2:24. That's the passage that we looked at this morning. Jesus himself quotes, "Out of Genesis 2:24, and says this: "Therefore, uh, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh." that's two becoming one. And then he added and said, they are no longer two, but one flesh, and help me out. Whatever God has joined together, let no man… what? Separate. You, you, you remember it. Why do you remember it? Jesus said it, and it's done in many Christian weddings. So, marriage is designed… Um, Marriage is, is a, designed to be a covenant between a couple and God, and Jesus affirms it. It's built through all out the Scriptures. It is the very basic foundation for all functioning, healthy societies. Uh, number four, marriage is designed to meet one another's needs. Um, this is why in Genesis 2.18, uh, 2, it says we learn that man needs help. If you look back in your Bible, you can see it says in verse 18, then the Lord God said, it's not good that a man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Um, Some men here uh, need a lot of help, you know, and some of you need a lot more help than others. Uh, But the case is is that we all need help. This is what the Bible says. Man created, uh, uh, God created man and then says he needs help. Uh, I found it really interesting as I kind of like, kind of weighed in on that and, and the value and the, 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 the interesting how God created man and woman. The Bible tells us that God actually created man out of the dirt. Did you know that, gentlemen? That you, you were created out of dirt, and, uh, and then the Lord breathed, and then you had life, or, or, or Adam did, or the, our first uh, father. And so, but then for woman, God takes a rib uh, from Adam and forms and fashions a woman. So the women are far better off, I think, th- in the beginning of the creation account, because guys were basically made out of dirt. And then I'm thinking like, they're like dirt bags. And then, and, and then you got women who are created at least from a living creature, not just arbitrary dirt. And... They're created not from an animal, but they're created from Adam. And so marriage is designed to meet one another's needs. I think that the Puritan pastor, uh, theologian, Matthew Henry of Old, commented and said something really well and profound about this idea that a woman was created out of man's rib. Um, So first let me read you the passage. Uh, where that is found in Genesis uh, 2, it says uh, this, and starting in verse 20, 21, "...but for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him, so the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed it up in its place with flesh, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman." Uh, Matthew Henry commented on this, and he said, "Eve was not taken out of Adam's head to top him; neither was he out, uh, uh, neither out of his feet to be trampled on him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected by him, and near his heart to be loved by him." Uh, I think what we see in the pages of Scripture is that God created uh, male, female, husband, wife, not to compete against each other, but to complement one another. It's an incredible gift, this gift of marriage. It's a very, very special thing where you get to meet each other's needs, emotional needs, physical needs, relational needs, and even spiritual needs. In my life, I think of how... um, I would be without Leslie. It would be incredibly difficult. I feel she uh, encourages me. She supports me. She helps me in so many different ways as I seek to do the same with her. God has designed marriage to meet each other's needs. Number five, marriage is God's plan for having kids. Um, in the beginning of Scripture, we see that there is a what is called a creation mandate. It is a call uh, to be fruitful and to multiply, to fill the earth. Uh, God called uh, Adam and Eve to be fruitful and to multiply. It was a specific command given to Adam and to Eve in Genesis 1:27 and 28. God repeats Himself again um, after the flood with Noah. God Himself commands Noah the same thing, uh, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth with the offspring. And I thought to myself, why, why is this so essential? Well, uh, let's do some, some theology on children just for a moment. The Bible says, according to Psalms 127, that children are a gift from the Lord, that every child is a gift from the Lord. And this is, again, this is why we would fight against the idea of abortion, um, because every child is a gift from God. Um. God says, be fruitful to multiply. Uh, God loves kids. Uh, God loves children. And marriage is the safest and the best place, a loving man, a loving woman. They love Jesus. They love each other. They are understand what it means to be a husband. They understand what it means to be a wife. Therefore, that is the foundation in which they can parent. And so, marriage is god's best and his uh brightest uh, for kids children are a gift from the lord it's an incredible discipleship making opportunity those of you who care about fulfilling the great commission your job is priority number one is investing developing encouraging your kids those are your number one disciples that you can be influence makers. You can still, uh, while the relationship changes as they move out of the house, my kids are seniors. I got two, Sam and Riley, that are seniors at Sandra Day O'Connor, and the relationship is changing. I want them to be more and more independent of Leslie and I and more dependent on God. Um, That relationship is changing, but I still see myself as a primary disciple maker of my son and my daughter. Um, the way I disciple and encourage and help build up my little girl, Maya, who's going into the fifth grade at North Valley Christian, um, is different. Uh, It's more hands-on. And the good news about this church is we partner with parents to help do discipleship. If you drop off your kids to uh, be discipled and educated and encouraged, and then you don't do anything, then you're missing the full opportunity what God wants you to do with your kids. And uh, I'll teach more on that later with the role of parenting. But uh, marriage is God's plan for having kids. It's a huge discipleship-making opportunity. Uh, lastly, on this note, marriage provides male and female role models called parents for children. This is missing in today's culture, um, where it's very confused uh, for what does it look like to have biblical, theological, Christian masculinity for men, and what does it look like to have biblical, theological beautiful femininity among women. Marriage provides that best opportunity for a kid, a little boy who's born to look to his dad for biblical masculinity. M- marriage provides that. I- I- and if the marriage is together, he can wake up and then see dad. Um, for the little girl, it's to wake up in the morning and then to see mom and go, okay, this is how I do life as a little girl. This is what it means to be a little girl. Um, And both kids need both. And so this is where marriage is that best context where there should be a strong, a stable home where you have a loving uh, husband and a loving wife. They model the love of Jesus Christ to their kids. Marriage is that permanency of a foundation to help uh, disciple and raise kids and build a better society. It's the best scenario for raising kids. However, right, however, um, God can and he does use the church to fill in the gaps where the single parents are and the kids uh, don't have a loving dad and a loving mom. Amen? And this is perhaps the greatest challenge for American church in the next few decades With the reversal of Roe versus Wade, I suspect, as you do, there'll be an influx, a massive influx of uh, children in the foster care system. And so uh, this is where the church ought to rise up and provide mentoring programs such as we do at this church through Fathers in the Field, and we fill in the gap. So the single mom who's missing the loving husband can come to our church and find a loving, godly man to exemplify, demonstrate, teach, and model what does it look like to be a dad. So, we call them mentor fathers. So, get the word out for all of you. And we have several needs right now. I'm asking and praying right now that some of you would respond. We have a couple boys that do not have a loving father because our men have not yet said yes to that. So, we need somebody to do that. We have several boys right now begging, praying, the mom losing hope right now that we don't have the men to step up and to do it. So, let's just pause and let's pray. Amen. Lord Jesus, we come before you right now, and if that is happening here in the room or in the next service or online, I pray for some godly man in our church that would say, I'll, I'll explore what that means to be a father mentor to a fatherless boy. We thank you, Jesus, for your Holy Spirit. Be at work among us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So, marriage provides male and female role models uh, called parents for children. It's the best and the brightest vision for what it looks like to grow up with biblical masculinity, biblical femininity. That's marriage. Marriage works the best. However, when that is not possible or it's not happening, this is where the church must step in. Number six, marriage is created for companionship. This is the fun stuff. This is the great stuff. Uh, It's friendship. Uh, Leslie and I, like I've said, we're best friends, and we got to create the priorities to cultivate this friendship. Um, when you lose the companionship in your marriage, it, it's no longer fun. And honestly, I think for many Christians, it's not that you're combating evil for your companionship. You're actually combating good. So what's, what are you combating? Pressure at work. It's good. You're good. Your job's a good job. But for the men, they tend and trend towards really pouring themselves out for work, and then they come home, and now... Um, the wife is no longer just friend the wife is uh kind of like a roommate and like hey did you get all the chores done did you do all your stuff and then do you still have time for intimacy and the wife can feel exhausted or for the wife what happens they tend and trend to to pour out all their energy oftentimes towards children and then, by the time they're done taking care of things in the home, or doing their job, or doing their part-time job, taking care of the kids, and then they get to their spouse, they're exhausted. So what's happened? It's a it's a giving of yourself out, and not preserving the companionship that needed to be prioritized. So companionships very very important. I think your spouse ought to be your best friend. Um, Solomon said this, this is my lover, this is my friend. We all need friendship and marriage. You got to prioritize that. Leslie and I do on uh, Fridays, we've always called them fun Fridays. It's where we set time apart. I work Sunday through uh, 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 Thursday, sometimes on Friday, sometimes on Saturday, but I try to set aside as much as I can on Fridays. Um, And that's really helped our marriage a lot usually in a, in a relationship with marriage, it started with fun. You were dating. You were having a fun time. That's great. That's why I would also encourage all singles that are seeking marriage is to let the foundation of your relationship be friendship, um, not physical intimacy, because friendship will carry over and will become the most powerful foundation for you to keep that marriage strong and healthy. So, have fun uh, with your spouse. All throughout Scripture, we see in Genesis 2.18 that God made men and women uh, to complement one another, not to compete with each other. In Ecclesiastes 9, uh, Solomon says, enjoy life uh, with your wife. And uh, number seven, here we go, is marriage requires priorities. It just requires some really significant priorities on how you prioritize your life. Um, You need the right people priorities. You need to put God first, your marriage second, your kids third, family fourth, and everyone else uh, last. And so many times what happens is as we get all the wrong priorities even in a Christian marriage, kids become number 1. It's all about the kids, it's all about the kids. Well, when the kids leave, now what? You've done trained yourself and oriented your home, your whole marriage around the kids. You put God first and you put your marriage second. You let your kids realize. Some of you, I want to tell you, some of you, you might not need to go to every game that your kid has. Uh, we have a kid-centric culture. I got to be at every sports game for my kid. They got to see me in the stands. I'm sorry. I, I just don't. What if you actually should just stay home and work out that argument you got into with your wife? How about that? Uh, what if you just say, no, instead of going to the game, we're going to actually go and spend time with my, uh, as a married couple because we've got some incredible things we need to deal with, and that sends the signal back to the kids that says our marriage is more important than me showing up at your game and waving in the stands. I think what we have, and I'll deal with it later, is a helicopter parenting culture where they just hover around everywhere over their kids. And this is why you have what's called extended adolescence. The kids never really grow up. They just, we extend their adolescence. So mommy and daddy are always there for them. And everybody on the soccer team, whether you win or lose, everybody gets awards and trophies. And so then you have this whole mentality of the culture. Christian culture that supports this idea that your children are the most important thing in the world. They are not. Jesus Christ is the most important thing. And the second person that ought to deserve all your attention outside of Jesus is your spouse. Amen? You should try that. Um, My kids, I I told uh, one of our scout masters, I don't go to a lot of Sam's functions at his scout stuff. I came to Gene Neal, the guy who started the scout troop. Sam will be an Eagle Scout, Lord willing, this year. I said, I'm not going to be as involved because I, need, I spend so much time with my uh, church and then I need more time with my wife and I don't want to present to Sam I have to do everything with him. He said, that's cool. All right, trust you. Um, I just want to challenge you to think like that, that we don't want to bubble wrap our kids. We don't want to helicopter parent you need more than anything a deep, vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ, and you need a deep, vibrant relationship with your spouse. And when you do, you are a great advocate and a great voice of reason, a great encourager to your kid. Uh, You are a better mother. You are a better father when that priority is in place. So, all throughout Scripture, I could back that up, Jesus pushes back on the marriage. Jesus pushes back on the family and affirms the idea that the spiritual relationships are a higher priority in some sense than biological family. Remember, he's doing, doing ministry and somebody says, hey, you're mom and your brother and everybody wants to know where you're at. And then he turns around and looks at the crowd and says, who's my, my mother and my, my brother? Who, who are they? Are these not them? And so, I want to challenge you to get your marriage uh, priorities together. God, marriage, kids, family, and then everyone else. This is, again, in Genesis 2.24, the challenge and exhortation to leave and to cleave. So, Genesis 2.24 tells us that, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and then hold fast, that is to cleave, to his wife, and they shall become one flesh that is called priority. That is called priority. You, uh, what that is uh, signifying and symbolizing is that a young man needs to be independent of mom and dad. And so, what does this look like? It looks like every Thanksgiving, every Christmas, you as a new couple do not have to go do Thanksgiving, Christmas with your, uh, your father and your mother, although you may want to. What do you need? You need a new family tradition, you you are challenged to create your own traditions. And I've seen it before where the wife says, well, we always did this growing up. Mom does it like this. Mom does it like that. Well, guess what? You are a brand new family. And the husband too. Well, we got to go to mom's house. We got to go to dad's house. Well, the Bible suggests that therefore a man shall leave His father and his mother, and hold fast to his wife, the two shall become one. So, the goal in marriage is oneness. It says that you're coming together. You're not doing things based on mom's ideas, dad's ideas, the in law's ideas. You're doing things based on what you sense God wants for you and your household. As the scripture says, as for me and my household, we shall serve the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that um, everybody here would seek first your kingdom and all those other things would be added to them as well. Lord, we affirm marriage, we affirm family, and we're grateful for our uh, fathers and our mothers. Your Word says to honor them. However, there is a priority in place in Scripture uh, that above uh, human relationships of children or uh, extended family or parents is the marriage relationship. And Father, where we have strayed, let us rectify. And Father, when we have not turned towards you as the greatest focus and intentionality of our uh, life, uh, might we turn towards you to be satisfied as only you can satisfy. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to support North Valley Church by partnering with us through giving, you can do so by visiting us online at northvalley.org. Thanks and have a great day.